0: Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Monday, July 25th. Mark Schofield with you today to help you kick off your week the right way. Uh, Chuck Zotta's out today. He's catching Pokemon. I think he's trying to catch them all, but fear not, my friends. We have a great guest with us today. ITP's own Doug Moore joins us to talk a little fantasy to kick off your work week. Doug, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We love having you on. And I want to start with an article that's up on Inside the Pylon right now. We are on the cusp of training camp, people. Football is basically back. And speaking of training camp, you've got a piece that takes us through some of the most notable training camp position battles from a fantasy perspective. And I want to ask you first about... That running back position out in Seattle, that battle between Thomas Rawls and CJ Procyce, how do you see that shaken out during training camp? And what are the fantasy implications for that battle?
1: Yeah, so let's not. I'd first preface by saying, let's not forget about Alex Collins. I've, I've been told several times I can't forget about right. him. But yeah, th- this is an interesting battle, really, because um, obviously Mark, Marshawn Lynch is not there anymore. He retired uh, this past, uh, actually the night of the Super Bowl, So, um, you know, they went in, they drafted a couple of running backs and, and they were going into training camp. Thomas Rouse, the guy who did play for Lynch when he had, uh, I believe it was sports hernia surgery. Uh, he took over, he did pretty well until he actually had his own injury. He broke his ankle. Uh, he did not appear in, uh, OTAs or mini camp. He's still recovering from his ankle sir uh, Not surgery. I'm sorry. He did not have surgery. His ankle fracture. Um, but it will be interesting to see, especially with that, um, if he gets a lot of time in training camp. Um, but if not, uh, I would still say that we're going to see a lot of the rookies, C.J. ProSice and Alex Collins in there. And, you know, this is obviously a very valuable position. Uh, Seattle is always known for their their run-first offense, uh, very run-oriented, especially with uh, Russell Wilson, at quarterback. So this has a lot of uh, fantasy implications behind it. Um, Going through it a little bit, obviously we have CJ Process coming into the NFL. He's a rookie out of Notre Dame. He's a converted wide receiver, and actually when I was doing research on him, he was actually a converted safety to a wide receiver. Now he's a running back, and that might work against him at least in his first year. Obviously still learning the position. He did pretty well his last year at Notre Dame, but one of the things we have to look at is just really his experience at the position is he can be ready to play in the NFL. It's a whole different animal from uh, playing at college football level. So that will be interesting to see, but I think he'll definitely earn a role uh, just because he has a great receiving ability. And I think it's going to translate well to the NFL. Uh, the, and the other guy is Alex Collins, who took over for Jonathan Williams mm-hmm. when he suffered a foot injury. He took over the whole season, played at Arkansas. Um, and he did really well, actually. You know? And, and it will be interesting to see because um, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round a forgotten guy, like I told you, and I think you forgot about him, too. But I think he'll be the guy, if anybody, that can challenge Thomas Rawls for early down work. He doesn't do much in the in the pass protection or the pass game. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I, I still see this shaping out, and I wrote this article. I think if Rawls is healthy, he's going to be the guy. And I think how it's going to split up is I think Alice Collins is going to be the guy that's, that's where it takes some early down work for him, change of pace. I don't think he's going to take a full workload away from him or anything like that. And process going to be a third down back. Um, I'm not saying the, the full primary guy, but he'll get some work on third down. Uh, he still has to work on in between the tackles and running the ball. So, uh, But I guess to summarize, I would see Rawls winning this, this, uh, this sort of uh, starting job and, and be the head of this uh, committee, I guess you could say.
0: Is this a situation where you think if people are out there and they draft Rawls, it would make sense to handcuff him with one or perhaps both of these two rookies?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's hard to tell, you know. Um, you know, you can never predict an injury, and I think that's one of the biggest things. And obviously, like I said, Rawls is coming off his own injury, and it, I think if there's a guy that's worth having, if it's not. It, for PPR leagues, I think Procise has uh, value by himself, but I think the guy that would take over for Rawls if he went down with an injury would actually be Alex Collins. I think he's a guy that uh, is a better runner in between the tackles. Um, he's obviously has proven success in a running scheme, and I think that's going to be the big thing for him over, you know, C.J. ProSize, who's still in position. So if there's anybody to handcuff, which I think you should if you have a, a guy that's a big question mark with health, I would say it's actually Alex Collins this
0: year. Let's stay at the running back position for a minute. I want to look at Baltimore and the, the battle that's taking place there. You've got Justin Forsett. Um, he had a great year two years ago, but suffered an injury last year. Um, Javoris Allen uh, stepped in for him, did some good things for Baltimore, uh, but then they drafted Kenneth Dixon, a running back that a lot of people have been high on. How do you see that battle shaping out both for on the field and for off the field fantasy players?
1: Yeah, and I almost feel bad because I'm actually leaving out Keenan, Re- uh, Keenan uh, Reynolds as well, but uh, I don't think he has much of a, a, a you know a stake in this battle. But yeah, it's really interesting. Um, even though uh, Justin Forsett went down with an injury, he was still, still on pace for more than a thousand yards of scrimmage last year. And obviously, this offense was was you know dealing with a lot of injuries. They they dealt with the Forsett injury, the Steve Smith injury. They dealt with the uh, also Joe Flacco injury. Where they just suffered a whole bunch of losses and they were just trying to work with what they got, and in the process we saw Buck Allen, uh, I believe he was actually a rookie coming out of USC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, do well. And now we got this uh, this inter- I'm sorry this interesting situation where we have Kenneth Dixon, obviously scored 26 touchdowns uh, his last season with Louisiana Tech, despite missing two games, and you know the returning veteran Justin Vorsett, along with the guy who took over for him last year. And the way I see this shaping up is I actually think Justin Forsett, if healthy, sort of the same situation with Rawls uh, in Seattle. I think if Forsett is healthy, which I think he will be, he's going to be the starter for them. Now, granted, I think this is a, a tighter battle because I think all three guys, uh, Forsett, Allen, and Dixon, can all play in the run game and in the passing game. So this will be interesting to see. I, I see a lot of people just when it comes to drafting right now a lot of people are taking Kenneth Dixon over Buck Allen, and this has to do with, you know, he's a new shiny weapon. He was drafted by the team, high expectations. But I still think, if all three are healthy, I still, I still think Buck Allen actually is higher up on him uh, than Dixon on the depth chart. And the way, I guess, to summarize is, I see Forsett, Buck Allen, and then Kenneth Dixon, but I think an injury would... Would catapults you know both into a primary role, Let's say to four set where you have uh, Buck Allen and then Six and it's a lot closer of a race than we saw what we're seeing in Seattle, but. Uh, I would say Forsett is probably the guy right now, at least.
0: With respect to that Baltimore offense, I, I can see that offense kind of going two ways. You've got Flacco coming back from injury, so they might throw, you know, rely on the run game a little bit more, kind of ease him back. But as you pointed out in the article, their offensive coordinator, um, they've got a new coordinator now who likes to run some, Mark Trestman, who likes to run some pass-happy offenses. So does, does that kind of factor into your decision-making or how you evaluate the Baltimore running backs in terms of their value. Are they like RB2 guys, RB3 guys, or even RB1 guys?
1: Yeah, it's harder because, again, we go back to Seattle, for example. They're a lot more of a run-heavy offense than Baltimore was. I think, actually, uh, Baltimore was very very much up there uh, in Trustman's first year with passing attempts. I think it was still one of the heaviest passing offenses in the league. So there's obviously not as much value, I don't think you do have some weapons coming back in the passing game. Hopefully Steve Smith is coming back from that, that horrible Achilles injury. Um, then you have, you know, who knows about Bashad Kyroman if he's going to be ready for week one. You have uh, Kamar Aiken coming back. You have the, the slew of tight ends, whether it's Max Williams, uh, Ben Watson, Dennis Pitta, even Crockett Gilmore. So I think there's definitely enough weapons on offense uh, in the passing game that they may not have to use the run a lot. And, and we've seen with Tressman. He doesn't like to run the ball as much as, say, other coordinators. So it's harder for us to get more excited about the Baltimore situation. It's one where you might want to stay away from, uh, especially with how they're being drafted right now, just because it's so uncertain with, you know, Forsett coming back from injury, and it's a lot closer of a race. So for right now, I think whoever is the starter, because they all three probably have uh, enough skill to be in a passing game, i see the, the the one who is the starter, which I think will be Forsett, maybe low-end running back two value, which is nowhere near what Rawls could be as a, as a mid-tier running back one. So it is a situation right now where, you know, ADP, when you look at that,
0: you might want to stay away from this right now until we get a more clear answer as to who might be the guy for them. Let's talk about some wide receiver battles, and there's uh, a rookie that I'm all in on. Um, I've gone after him very early, probably reached for him in a lot of drafts that I've done so far, and you're in all, all, in on, all in on him too, and that's Sterling Shepard up in New York. How... Much do you think he contribute right away to not only the Giants on the field, but the fantasy players who draft him?
1: Yeah, no, like you, I, I'm all in on Sony Shepard this year. I love this spot for him, and simply because there's really no other proven weapon in this offense that has a prominent role besides uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, we had Victor Cruz. That's the guy he's competing with in the number two spot. Um, you know, he, he had a really, he had a really good couple of years until he suffered this devastating knee injury. And then he actually missed all last season as well. Coming back, from, I think it was a calf injury as well that, you know, there was just a mixture. So he hasn't actually played in a year and a half almost. And he still, I don't think he did much practicing in training camp. So I'm uh, not in training camp, but in, in, OTAs and mini camp. So it's really hard to trust a guy like Victor Cruz here, but certain Shepard, Drafted in the second round, uh, obviously a position where we saw Ruben Randall, their de facto number two, go to Philadelphia. There's really no depth at all at the wide receiver position behind Shepard. That's even healthy. Now, you could say Cruz, but anything you get out of him is going to be a bonus, I think, uh, just considering what he's coming back from and what he hasn't been able to do, which is get on the field in 18 months. So I, I, I don't think this is going to be a hard battle. I do think Sterling Shepard is going to win this battle. Uh, We've seen, you know, ESPN, Giants.com, New York Daily News, NewJersey.com, and even Eli Manning all praise Sterling Shepard. So all the beat writers, even his own quarterback is praising him. And we've seen a lot of predictions as to Sterling Shepard actually getting the job, getting the number two position over Victor Cruz, simply because he's healthy, he's a dynamic route runner, and I think he provides a really good vertical threat to this offense where he can also play in the slot as well so i'm all in on him i think this is going to be a great situation where we're not going to see much of a change in their offensive schema they're going to throw the ball a lot they have no idea who's going to run the ball for them so this is going to be a really good situation i think for showing shepherd i think he has high end wide receiver three value which could be probably top 25 top 30 and that might be crazy but
0: i i, I I can't see a fault with this. I can't see a flaw with this. The situation, who the players, I'm all in on him this year. Yeah, me too. And part of the reason for that is you just mentioned scheme. I mean, as you illustrate in the article, this is a pass-happy offense. And when you look at how that Giants offense is going to run on the field, I'm assuming that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to see a lot of safety help rotated his way, a lot of double coverage. So that frees up some targets for somebody in this offense. And like you said, with Randall leaving town, and there's really nobody else, there's the question marks around Cruz, the scheme fits well as for Shepard to succeed as well, don't you think? Definitely. I mean, and just to throw some numbers behind it, the Giants last year, sixth in passing attempts,
1: seventh in passing yards, and Eli Manning actually tied for first. All people don't know it's tied for first with Tom Brady for most t- passing touchdowns. It's going to be a situation where Adele Beckham's going to grab a lot of uh, attention, like you said, double coverage, safety over the top. And it's going to keep Shepard probably to one-on-one battles. And this is going to be a situation where Eli probably hasn't had this good of a number two guy in a while. So I think it's going to be a really good scheme fit for him um, where they can both be vertical or uh, with uh, Shepherd and Cruz. Uh, not Cruz, but uh, Odell Beckham. And also, you know, like I said, Shepard can also play in the slot as well. So he's going to be on the field a lot. I see him being on the field a ton this season. And they're going to throw a ton which it's a perfect solution for them. So I definitely agree with you there.
0: Let's talk about one more wide receiver battle, and that's the wide receiver two spot in Green Bay. We've got Jordy Nelson coming back, and there's a handful of guys that are out there that are going to be looking to be that number two guy in Green Bay. How do you see Green Bay structure in their offense behind Jordy Nelson at the wide receiver spot?
1: Well, I, I, it's, it's more so about the number three spot. I think Randall Cobb is, is no no doubt the number two guy for them. Um, so, this is more about the number three uh, number three, uh, sort of position where we have Ty Montgomery, uh, who I think did pretty well last year, uh, came out of Stanford, I believe, a third-round pick. Uh, Jeff Janis, who the fancy world loves him. I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter, where everybody's behind on won his athleticism. And then we also have Devontae Adams, who somehow is still in this mix, despite having the horrible season he had last year. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, we have three relatively unproven guys um, at fighting for the spot. Where I think, you know, in this offense with Aaron Rodgers, he's known to, to be very good at, at feeding the ball to everybody. And that might even be a fancy relevant role for a number three wide receiver in this offense when they really don't have a number one tight end or a clear cut number one tight end. Richard Rodgers did well last year, but still. Um, so this will be interesting to see. Um I'm high on Ty Montgomery. I loved what I saw from him last year. He dealt with an ankle injury most of last year before he had to go on the IR and actually had surgery. Um, Jeff Janis, he's an athletic freak. But as we saw earlier this, this preseason, or I'm sorry, this off season, he's still grasping this mental side of the game. We've seen both Aaron Rodgers and head coach Mike McCarthy say that, and Devontae Adams' He couldn't step up in that number two role when uh, Jordy Nelson went down with that knee injury last year. He may not even be on the roster come week one. So it'll be interesting to see. I think for myself, and this goes back to if he's healthy, I think Ty Montgomery has this spot. I think he can play like Shepard. He can play in the slot, and he can also play on the outside, where he might be that number three weapon for them because I don't see Eddie Lacy having the type of season that he did prior or, you know, like in 2014 or 2013. So I think it's going to be hard for someone else to step up other than a wide receiver to be that number three target. And I think if there's going to be anybody who does it, I think the best situation where he's proven and he's not dealing with the mental side of the issue or the mental side of football, it's going to be Ty Montgomery. So I I definitely see him winning the spot again, if healthy.
0: No, you know, you get with me on the phone here, you're going to get a quarterback question. What's going to happen out in San Francisco? How do you see that battle between Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert playing out?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is really one of the uh, – I, I I thought about putting a couple here, and I, I thought about the Browns being one situation, but I think just because of what we've seen with the the quarterbacks in Chip Kelly's offense before, he was with the Eagles, <clears throat> now he's with the 49ers, even though they, they may not put up the best stats, there's such a high-volume offense that they're going to they're gonna throw it a ton. It's going to be fancy-relevant, I think. And, you know, from everything I've read and everything I've seen, I think Blaine Gabbert has a clear edge going into training camp. Now, that's not saying he's going to win the role, but I think he's going to be the clear favorite, at least going into training camp. Uh, obviously, Colin Kaepernick's coming off of three surgeries. I believe he had knee surgery, uh, thumb surgery and shoulder surgery, actually. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, knee, thumb, and shoulder. So it'll be interesting to see how well he can come back from those injuries. I don't think he played much or did much in OCAs or mini camp. So this is going to be a situation where if Kaepernick is actually healthy, can he return to form? Because he's had a, a horrible past two seasons before he went on the IR last season. So I think it's going to be a fancy, relevant role. Despite the lack of targets, I think, in San Francisco, I think, you know, you have Torrey Smith, who's a vertical threat. You have Vance McDonald, who I, I like is one of the sleeper tight ends this year. Carlos Hyde, I'm not sure if he's much of a, a receiving running back. But even though there's not a lot of targets to throw to, like in Philadelphia, I think we're going to see whoever is the quarterback for a Chip Kelly offense still be fantasy relevant. And even a look at it, the last half of 2015, Sam Bradford actually did pretty well, fantasy-wise. So I think whatever you're going to see here, whoever's going to win it, who I think if I had to make a pick right now, I'd say it's Blaine Gabbard, honestly. Um, but it's going to be fantasy-relevant because they're going to be throwing it a ton. And both can run a little bit, actually. Kaepernick's obviously the big threat with the, lo- the big arm and-, and the running ability. But I think that Blaine Gabbard also thro- throws and runs it well enough to be fancy relevant, even if he's the guy for them. But if I had to name a guy right now, I would say it's probably going to be Blaine Gabbert.
0: Well, the article is a great piece. I very much want people to go on to Inside the Pylon and read it, help you get ready for your fantasy drafts. Doug, we have a few minutes left, and I want to switch gears for just a minute and talk a little Scott Fishbowl 480. Um, that big fantasy football tournament is kind of winding down. Most drafts are done. How do you feel with your draft, and how did that come together for you?
1: Yeah, so this is my first year doing it. I don't know about you. I know you yeah, did this my year, first year as, well. as well. Yeah, yeah. so I was lucky to be in that. Um, it was. It's sort of an interesting situation, obviously. There's different things that you get You know, points for, like rushing attempts. Uh, it's a super flex league where you get a tight end premium. So there's definitely a lot of things to keep in mind. Yeah, as and, the, and the tight end
0: premium, Doug, what, what about how, how are tight ends accounted for in this league? I mean, this scoring is very beneficial for tight ends.
1: It very is. It, you know, it's, it's a, a half point extra for your reception, they do. Um, and it'll be interesting because for me, I actually didn't go after a tight end that early. Uh, because I think that the price tag on a guy like Rob Gronkowski, Jordan Reed, um, you know, guys like that, uh, Greg Olson too, I think it was too great for me to go after one. And I think a lot of teams that did well last year or went into the playoffs actually didn't go and take a, a tight end before. I want to say round seven, or at least most of them didn't. So that's sort of the strategy I took. I weird because I think there's still going to be good tight ends where, you know, you look at the top two, Gronkowski often deals with these nicks and bruises that can cause him to miss a few games. And then the other thing with Jordan Reed is he's highly, uh, very much a highly, uh, you know, injury risk guy where he suffered a lot of concussions. He's had hamstring issues. So I try to stay away from those guys. And I went with more of a balanced attack. I tried to get, uh, you know, good wide receivers early. Um, Try to make sure I got at least one good, I guess, quote-unquote, bell cow. Um, so I actually went pretty balanced in this. I went with, uh, just to name off a few of my picks, I went with Ezekiel Elliott in my first round. round. I love that. Pick. Obviously, he, yeah, it's a great pick when you look at it on paper. Um, you know, and obviously he's dealing with the situation right now. Um You know, off the field, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, you know unfolds. And obviously, it has fancy implications, but you know, hopefully, the justice process will do you know what it needs to. Um, I went with him, and I actually went with Andrew Luck in the second round, and and it it was hard for me to do that because you know taking a quarterback that early, but you have to almost because it is a super flex league where you could play up to two quarterbacks a week, and it could come in handy. And I want to get at least one solid quarterback. And obviously, injury luck came off a horrible 2015. He was playing bad before it, Then he had the injuries. So it'll be hard to see, but I think he's going to bounce back this year. He's going to have a good, uh, or not a good, but at least a better offensive line. Um, They still have their three main wide receivers in T.Y. Hilton, uh, Dante Moncrief, and Philip Dorsett. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I I liked him uh, in the second round, but I went pretty balanced, actually. I have four quarterbacks, I have seven running backs, six Uh, wide receivers and five tight ends. So I actually didn't really stack at one position over the other, just so I have some variety. Um, So, but it'll be interesting. My, my first tight end, just to throw it out there was actually Gary Barnes. I think I'd select him like the eighth round. Um, And I love his upside in this offense where we saw Hugh Jackson help Tyler Eifert in, in Cincinnati last year, break out. So I like this offense uh, for the Browns, or at least for, for, uh, Gary Barnidge this year, where you got a, a great offensive mind and Hugh Jackson there. So, but it, just to summarize, I guess I, I went sort of balance. I sort of went with best player available for the most part, uh, but obviously tried to stack it, at good positions, make sure I had solid depth all the way around, not one position over the other. What, what about you though? I'm curious about you. Yeah, I haven't it, seen as much from you.
0: Yeah, the the great thing about this league is, and you kind of touched on it a bit, there are different strategies and approaches you could take to it because, you know, I was picking the fifth spot and I actually went Cam Newton at one one oh five, 105 um, just because in this league, like you said it's a super flex league where you can play two quarterbacks Cam had a great season from a statistical standpoint last year, so I just, I couldn't you know, pass on him. I really wanted either Gurley or Elliott, but those guys went off the board 1-2 in my draft. So, you know, wow. I went, yeah, I went Cam quarterback in the first round. And then on the flip side, I went running back into the second and grabbed Doug Martin. And then I went tight end with Jordan Reed in the third. I mean, so you've got, you know, different approaches that you can take. So I, you know, I was able to make some picks later that I really liked. I went early on Tyler Lockett. I went with him in the fifth round, but for some reason, I, I, he's like Sterling Shepard to me this year, kind of all in on him. And speaking of Sterling Shepard, again, grabbed him in the ninth round. I mean, so I went with four QBs, and I got – I really stacked at wide receiver. Um, You know, I got a a number of wide receivers. I went rookie heavy on this as well, uh, probably more than I should have. But with so many people in this league, 480 players, I kind of took the approach that, look, I'm going to roll the dice, and either it's going to pan out well for me or I'm going to crash and burn. But – you know, massive thanks to Scott Fish for setting us up every year and for, you know, letting me take most definitely. And, uh, he does great work, so people should check him out. People should also check out Doug on Twitter. People follow him on Twitter at D More, M O O R E NFL. Please read his piece It's up right now on Inside the Pylon's fantasy camp training battles. Uh, some training battles you should keep an eye on for uh, fantasy football this year. Um, always check out insidethepylon.com. Follow us on Twitter at ITPylon. Mark Schofield. I'll be back tomorrow with um, my good friend Chuck Zotta. But until then, thanks for listening, everybody.